Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. Here's your host, John Chapman. All right, <laughs> this is round two. Hopefully the sound is better. That was the fastest restarting of the computer, unplugging everything back in, getting everything loaded. Goodness, I don't know if you could tell, but my anxiety is level 10 and I am sweating from computer restarting. <laughs> Welcome to the 49ers Rush Podcast. I've got one confirmation. Thank you, Noe, uh, that uh, everything is better. You did spell my name incorrectly, J-H-O-N, but uh, that's okay. And again, I love it. The Countdown crew, you stayed with us. Faithfulness is who we are, even whenever we have technical difficulties. I only believe this is like episode 340. You would hope that I would finally get it all figured out, but man, it's what it is. Now, this is going to be a fun episode got a whole bunch of video clips we're going to be hearing from Kyle Shanahan we're going to be hearing from Robert Sala we're going to be hearing from number four and Fred Warner all in this episode talking about and there's so many updates here we are I think it's week 15 (laughs) and we still have so much fluidity with this roster a lot of its injury some of its COVID some of its performance but we're going to go over all those things, and we're going to hear from the sources themselves and then try to break that down. That's kind of what this is all about. And on top of that, if you pay attention to the title, we're we're one foot in, one foot out right now because the 49ers are going to the playoffs. It's not happening. So we're still going to do all of our due diligence with the game that we have this week against the Dallas Cowboys, which that game should have been circled from the schedule release any typical season, this would be the biggest game on the NFL slate. <sighs> 2020 is a hell of a year. Uh, both the Cowboys, I would say these are the two most injured teams in the NFL, and I don't think it's close. Well, I don't even think they're close to us. 49ers breaking records for most people on IR ever. I know the IR is different this year, but whatever. Cowboys are number two, but they're not even close. They're not even in our tier as far as injuries go. So the game is a little bit more lackluster this year, unfortunately, but believe you me, born and raised in North Central Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth area, this game means a lot to me. Um, And I'll be talking trash to everybody, win, lose, or draw. I don't care. Um, I would rather rather go 0-16 than be a Cowboys fan, but that's just me. Also, I would like to say, started the good old draft notebook and very first draft breakdown. Got one done on Trey Lance today. Um, Just went through his only game. Trey Lance only had one game this year because um, his division, the Missouri Valley Conference, postponed everything till the spring. They had one game. 
And that's it. So he played in that one game. We went through that game film today on Patreon. Uh, I think it took us about 35 minutes to get through one game. It was a lot, a lot of fun. So we have started that, and I need your help. If you're one of the people that is just a hardcore draft, just what draftnik, right? This is where I got my start. I need help. I need help compiling stats. I need help doing deep, like, <laughs> diving. I want to know what these guys parents occupation was i want to know if they had 12 siblings i want to know if they were air force kids i want to know all the crazy facts about all these draft prospects and i need help unfortunately i'm to the point now where i'm putting so much time in this podcast i don't have time to go diving into all that stuff so if you are one of those people you want to help out the 49ers rush podcast can't really pay you very much unfortunately we don't get paid much here this is a passion project with a with a little extra on top but what we're going to do is I need your help. Reach out to me if you want to help. 49ers Rush Podcast at gmail.com or you can uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, obviously, whatever work you do, um, I will promote you and say thank you. You'll be a part of that project for sure. I will give you access to all the information that I have, whether that's Pro Football Focus, um, Pro Football Reference, all that stuff. Uh, but I need your help. So if that sounds fun to you, let me know. Hit me up because we need some help because – we're gonna have we're gonna put out the best draft coverage that's out there. I, I really do believe that because I love analytics, I love stats, I love background. But it's, again, I'm always a film guy. Just as a former coach, this is it's in my nature, and so that's what we're gonna be doing for those prospects, all of them. Last year, I think we hit 180, 180 prospects. Um, not sure if I want to do more than that this year, but I want more in depth. That's what I want. Um, so anyway. Let's jump into some 49ers news. Here we go. Um, injuries right off the bat, and it, we got some bad news about our RB1. Mostert is just, he can't stay healthy. Um, and it's, it, stop me if you heard this before, high ankle sprains. Uh, MC, or ACLs and high ankle sprains, 49ers galore, good lord. But anyway, here is the head coach himself talking about Robert, or talking about Raheem Mostert, and if he is going to play this week, what practice looks like, and more. No, I, I mean it's it's, it's kind of how all high ankle sprains are. You know, he zinged it a couple times in the game, which is going to happen to him a lot. Um, but it felt just a little worse than normal, and you know he's not practicing today. But um, the imaging basically, you know, we feel pretty good that he'll be able to get there at the end of the week. Um, so it's I think it hurt a little bit more than usual, but the imaging was somewhat positive I and mean, we're going to take care of him today and allow him to rest and hopefully he'll feel a, bit, let him, feel a little bit better tomorrow and you need him <laughs> you really really do need him now here's the crazy thing theoretically i think Mostert's going to play this week i think all of our running backs for the first time maybe ever are relatively healthy uh jeff wilson's the number two tevin coleman Got four snaps. All of them were negative plays. Not saying they were all his fault. But when Tevin Coleman goes in, bad stuff happens. <laughs> Whether it's false starts, holds, he gets blown up in the backfield because he has no vision, sacks, whatever. When Tevin Coleman's gone in the past two weeks, every series has resulted in negative yardage. Um, again, not putting all that on Tevin. I'm just saying it's correlation, not causation. But they seem to be related. And then you go Jarek McKinnon. He has been completely written out of the game plan. He is no more than just a spare part at this time. Uh, the burst just hasn't been there as we saw. He had the opportunity. Um, so it seems like it's going to be the Raheem and Jeff Wilson show. And if for some reason Raheem doesn't get better, Jeff Wilson's going to be the number one back with Tevin Coleman spelling him and perhaps getting some um, 
Jarek McKinnon coming in on third downs. That's what it's going to look like. So for you fantasy people, uh, keep an eye on Jeff Wilson. He might be a must start if for some reason something goes. Adrian, what's up, man? First live show I've ever made it to, and we had technical difficulties. I'm so sorry. I apologize for that. Um, let's go and trash number four. We can't say that name anymore. Number four, I am with you. It's bad, bad, bad. Now, if you have questions at any point in this, Please don't hesitate to tag me in them. We will get to as many as possible. And again, just want to say thanks for being here. Now, another guy that's prominent, probably one of the most important outside of Nick Bosa or the quarterback position, that's George Kittle, the offensive identity, the offensive captain. He has been activated to practice. His 21-day 21 window to practice is good. Is he going to play, though? Um, here is what... Coach said about George Kittle. I mean, I would think about it a lot differently. Um, I'm not saying for sure no. If I thought it would help him um, and I thought it would help our team, um, definitely. I mean, there's more things to it than just making the playoffs. Obviously, that's the number one thing. Um, but it would have to do with what George, if he's risking anything, then it would be an easy decision. I mean, we wouldn't even think about it. Um, but if he could 100% come back and be normal, then um, that's something I'll talk to him about, talk to John about, and we'll figure out what's best for him and the team. Just the language and the way in which Kyle addressed that question tells me Kittle's not playing this week. Uh, he's practicing. He's been out there back-to-back -back days. But I really don't think he's going to suit up. I just don't see it. I don't think they're going to announce that he's not playing. But I don't think this week's it. Now, if he can go this whole week, and I guarantee you, George Kittle's just right there in Kyle's ear. I'm fine, coach. I'm fine, coach. Put me in there, coach. Put me in, coach. Don't hold me back. That's just who Kittle is. That's who these Warriors are. And sometimes as a coaching staff, you got to step in and say, no, there's three people that the choice comes down to if you're going to play or not. Number one is the player, right? Can you go? Are you healthy? Yeah, I can go, coach. I can go, right? We saw this with Akello all week. Yeah, I can go. I can go. I can go. The day before the game, yeah, just not feeling it, right? Get that trash out of here. <laughs> That's something you can't, you can't have. We lost the Miami game because of it. Number two is the head coach himself. He has to sign off on it. I will be honest with you. A critique you could have of Kyle Shanahan, not saying I do, but I understand it, is that he rushes players back, especially from ankle injuries, a la Raheem Mostert, a la Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you can go on and on. Nick Bosa last year. He believes the player. That's what he does. Our coaching staff, they seem to green light everybody. But those are the three people, the player, the coach, and then the, the training staff. Those are the three that have to sign off on a player coming back from an injury. And it seems like we have a head coach and we have a training staff that just rubber stamp everybody. Oh, you're good? Get your ass out there. You're good to go. And I think that's why we have some of these lingering issues. Uh, and especially with where we are now, we're not going to the playoffs. Are we mathematically eliminated? No. But we could win out. You could have a certain number of losses. You can get in. But let's be honest, as long as number four is behind center, we're not favored in any game. And if we are, again, man, I don't want to say this. Don't bet against the 49ers. I don't want to do that. Logically, it makes perfect sense, especially if we're favored. But, um, yeah, you, you, the faith isn't there. It can't be there. And we'll talk more about number four later on. Now, I do think Kittle will play next week. I don't think he's playing this week. Regardless of the result, I think Kittle plays next week. Fred Warner, on the other hand, was a little scary. You know, he, he takes on that hit, immediately grabs for his collarbone, which is scary. Usually that tells you that's a collarbone issue. 
but turns out it was a stinger. He's had a couple of those. And so here's Fred Warner himself talking about what it was like getting that stinger and what his availability is this week. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, it was the same side and everything. But when I went back and looked at it, it was it was almost like a freak accident. Uh, the way my neck got caught, uh, it was almost in the, in the stomach of an old lineman and him just the force him coming at me. And, um, you know, it was kind of just one of those things where it was a freak thing. So I don't think it's a, a cause for concern at all. You know, I'm just going to continue to treat it and I'm already feeling better. So um, should be good to go. Yeah, I, I love how much energy that Fred Warner brings to the game and to the field. Obviously doesn't bring that same energy to the press conference, which uh, some guys just have a switch. It's Mike Singletary, right? Um, whenever he gets on the field, it gets mean. And that's who Fred Warner is. But <laughs> you don't really feel that same enthusiasm at the press conference. But you want to hear what he said. He feels fine. He's going to be fine. One thing that was interesting to me was when Fred Warner went out, the defense kept ticking. Drake Greenlaw slid in. You had DFF and Alshair out there, and they played great. Um, now, again, it was against Dwayne Haskins, but they beat us, right? Um, not because of their offense, obviously. But, man, our defensive linebacker core is great, and that's even after trading Quan. And, little side note, went back and watched a little um, <laughs> Eagles versus Saints defensive film. Guess why Jalen Hurts had such a freaking good game? The two biggest Jalen Hurts runs, guess who missed their gap both times? That's right, Juan Alexander. And I, I, don't, say, I don't say that to throw shade. I throw that to say how the 49ers front office pulled off that trade is besides me, not because of his play, but because of his contract. But believe you me, Juan Alexander is a liability on any defense. There is no doubt about it. Um, anyway, whatever. Let's get away from that one. Now, offensive line is a mess this week. I understand all of the sharp criticisms that have gone against this porous offensive line. I get it. We went back and spent over an hour just going over line protection and pass plays. Wasn't near as bad as, you know, the fans made out to be. I think there's a couple driving forces media members talking about how bad the old line is. And perhaps you could say, yeah, they showed up very, very poorly whenever the game mattered and whenever they had a chance in the fourth quarter. That is true. First three and a half quarters, I thought they played great. But this week's going to be, yeah, one of those things where you're going to miss the guys we had. Daniel Brunskill, his shoulder. Doubt he's going to be in there. Dakota Shepley is probably going to be the starting center because Ferranis Grasu is out as well. This will be our number seven center. To be out. Number seven, we're down to our eighth option at center, and Daniel Brunskill's not even a damn center. Like, <laughs> he's just playing mop up duty. But he's out. The backup's out. The backup to the backup to the backup to the backup is out. Sound like I'm doing a rap album over here. Good gosh. Uh, you don't want to listen to me rap, probably. That was terrible. I shouldn't have said that. Sorry about that. Um, but Dakota Shepley, who we've never seen, is probably going to be our starting center and number four behind him as signal caller. You don't like it. Well, guess what? Guard's even worse because Colton McKivitz has been placed on the COVID list. Ah, let's hear from the coach. Yeah, he better be. Um, we'll have to try Robbie there or somebody. But no, it's um, and that, that's part of what people are dealing with with the COVID issues. Um, on top of you know the injuries we've had prior, so that's what just makes the COVID stuff tough for us because of where we're at. So 
Um, I, I, we got a couple new practice squad guys in a day, so we'll see them today on the field, and so that at least gives us some options. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how the week goes with that. But that's that's the challenge of this year. Man, you just hear it and you see it. If you're watching live, you see the pain in the eyes. He's just like, yeah, that's what it is, man. We just uh, practice squad, blah. Colton McKivitz was one of the lone bright spots on offense last week. I've I've not been kind in my assessment of Colton McKivitz so far until last week. And again, it's one of those things. Be careful what you wish for. Because he finally has a good damn game. He gets to continue to build on that resume positively, trying to fight for a spot for the future. Goes and gets COVID. And so now, golden opportunity for a fifth-round rookie to try to cement his status in this right guard position. And it's gone. Just like that. Gone. Um, so we're, it, it's going to be number check whenever we're doing film because we're not going to know who the hell these guys are. Your center and right guard, which has been the weak spot of this offensive line for a while. We, we got guys sacking groceries coming into play. It's not good. It's not good at all. We'll, we'll be doing our full Dallas breakdown on Friday or Saturday this week. Um, I haven't d dove into Dallas's film yet. I don't want to scratch my eyes out that bad, but it's coming. <laughs> and I'll get it done for sure. But man, that sucks so bad. Because again, Colton McKivitz played a great game. His best game as a pro by far. Now he's got to watch the game from home. All right, quarterback. Yeah, you've probably seen the headlines. Here's the head coach. Ugh, I can't even say it. He was asked the question, who's starting this week? Damn it. <laughs> this is what Kyle said. Nick starting, and we'll always see what goes on in practice, but Nick's the guy we'll start out with, and we'll see how it goes. Ugh, man, it just hurts. It hurts. <laughs> now, when, when number four is in there, I'm rooting for him. I want him to play great. I hope that number four has the best game of his career. Just don't expect it. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, multiple turnovers in eight out of nine games. He's one and six as a starter this year. Yikes. Just bad, 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 bad. Anyway, you've got to... <laughs> it's, it's funny because... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing so much. The things that come to mind is how bad is CJ Beathard? We saw him and we know how bad CJ is. But he wasn't this bad. Um, if you remember uh, CJ, he just held onto the ball too long because he couldn't make a decision and he got destroyed, right? Physically. So maybe Kyle Shanahan's like, look, dude, we've got a new center, a new guard. O-line's not been great. If I put you out there this week, you're just going to get killed. So we'll let Nick Mullins do his thing and we'll just, yeah, let's let him happen. And the funny thing is, I, I, I again, sorry, I'm laughing so much. Mullins was asked why he had so many issues last week and pay attention to how many times this kid said, I shouldn't say kid, he's not a kid. How many times he says, stay calm in the pocket. This is awesome. It's almost like a take a shot every time, right? So listen to the key words is stay calm in the pocket. Just uh, staying calm in the pocket. Uh, I was a little antsy uh, from the start on Sunday. Um, so just staying calm in the pocket. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, if I stay through, stay calm in the pocket and go through my reads, um, then everything else takes care of itself. And uh, so that's one thing that I'm going to focus on this week. Staying calm in the pocket, baby. Uh, that's what I should have made the title. Ah, that should be the title. 49ers, staying calm in the pocket. Uh, <laughs> I'm changing it. For the audio title, that's what it's going to be. I love it. Um, 
man, he, he said it multiple times. Going through my reads, that cracked me up. It's just hilarious at this point. It, it, he doesn't go through reads. You don't ever see him do that. You don't see him stay calm in the pocket because he can't do it. And you can see he's like, stay calm, stay calm. Like It, it reminds me, I don't know if anybody remembers this back. I think it was Mad TV when we were kids. I'm old. I get it. I'm 38. Uh, the Stuart Smiley, you're smart enough, you're good enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. Like, if you say it enough, you'll believe it. I know, like, two people got that reference, and I'm perfectly fine with that. For all you other people, do some research. Go watch a Stuart Smiley video on YouTube after this one, of course. Um, but how much confidence can you have um, in, in him? Now, the idea, the blueprint for winning this game is simple. This is a stat I'm going to throw out for tomorrow. The Cowboys' off defense in 2020 has already, we're not even through with the season, allowed the most 300-yard rushing games in NFL history. Already. Still got three games to go. The most 300-yard rushing games in the history of the NFL ever for a single year, Cowboys' defense has already allowed that to happen. Now, the problem is, again, you got a center, you got a right guard, and a lot of people mad at the right tackle, too. Mike McGlinchey. I have been very adamant. Um, not that I'm a Mike McGlinchey stan at all. I, I just keep saying, Kyle's not moving on from this guy. There's no way. You can't. Kyle is fine with Mike McGlinchey because he's an elite run blocker. Yeah, he has those two to three bonehead plays and pass pro. every. But I keep telling people, McGlinchey's not going anywhere, guys. It's not. And... The people's sports writer, I don't want to say his name because then my mentions blow up. Ask Kyle Shanahan, what's wrong with Mike McGlinchey and are you happy with him? This is telling. Pay attention to the tone, which we've seen through this press conference, Kyle Shanahan clips. He's tired. He's beat down. All those things. Pay attention to his tone change and what he says here when asked about Mike McGlinchey's performance. No, I haven't considered that at all. I mean, Mike McGlinchey's our right tackle, and I feel very good about our right tackle. Um, do I think he's playing the best he can? No. Um, I get the attention he got, especially getting that holding call on the last play and getting in a protection there. Um, but also going against a good rusher, um, that doesn't give an excuse of it, but I'm not going to sit and make a huge judgment off of that. McGlinchey played very good winning football for us last year. Um, I do not think he's the reason we're struggling. Um, I think it's a collective deal, and I'm very happy with McGlinchey here. And um, I know John and I would do that all over again if we had the choice to. Did you know that you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks? You can turn $10 into 1000 with basketball, hockey, college basketball entries today on prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And here's what's great. It, it, you can get action on sports on more than 30 different states across the country, including California, Texas, and Georgia. On top of that, you got playoff basketball actions on the horizon, and this is the best place to take advantage of all of basketball's postseason action. Some of these player props. Nikolai Jokic for over 10 rebounds. Anthony Davis more than two blocks. Lillard, four three-pointers made. You get to pick exactly how you want to use your bets. So, download the app today. Use code 49ers49ERS for a deposit match up to $100. Again, that's promo code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100 over on prize picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, and he's not going away from him. It's just not happening. Um, It's not happening. So uh, take that for what you want. Um, He's coming back. Guaranteed. Um, I see Delta in here. What's up, Delta? Uh, Twitter friends. It's always fun whenever you see your Twitter friends show up for the live uh, broadcast. I appreciate that. So now McGlinchey's sticking around. So all the people that are like, oh, we should take a tackle. We're not taking a tackle. Now, free agent-wise, and, you know, I'm seeing this question in there, and I wanted to talk about this. So let, let's kind of jump over here. Um, Eddie asked this. Do you think we re-sign Ziggy Onsen next year to help Bosa on the other side? Now, the free agent for 49ers next year in 2021 is a freaking catastrophe. You literally have 41 players. 41 out of, I don't know, I think we have 31 signed. But again, a lot of those numbers are, you know, practice squad players, whatever else. And so we're going to start at the top and just kind of hit a couple key ones and what their numbers are. Now, I'm going off of Spotrack, which does a great job if you're into contract numbers and guaranteed money and dead money, and you're just one of those nerds, whatever. Uh, I call them football accountants. But if, that, if that's who you are, it's an awesome site. Over the Cap is another great site as well. Trent Williams is number one, okay? He's getting $13.6 million this year. Now, the market value they project for top free agents, what they should get around, he's projected to get around $18.2 million. I think that number is going to be pretty close to $20 million. Um, per year, Trent Williams is coming back. You can't franchise him. That's in his contract. He has never gotten that huge long-term deal he had one with washington but then he got injured and then they withheld money and it got really really dirty whatever else um so trent williams coming back richard sherman's the next highest priced he's not coming back he has said it'd be a miracle he's gone the next highest paid player and i'm excited about this one solomon thomas solomon thomas got seven million dollars against the cap this year seven he ain't coming back i really don't think so he's projected to get five and a half million Oh my gosh, I, I would not, if he wanted to do a minimum deal with the incentive laden, I'd be fine with that. Salma Thomas is an amazing human being. He's great in the locker room. He provides versatility. He's just not a good football player. Um, again, you look at, he has twice as many penalties as he has sacks. Probably not a good statistic for the number two overall pick. I'm ready to move on from there. Kwaski Tart, move on. I like him. He's going to be getting five to $6 million. Nope. Um, I want Jimmy Ward in that strong safety spot. I want Tarvarius Moore in that free safety spot. And I love Marcel Harris as a backup because he can back up the safeties. He can back up the linebackers. Um, I want Marcel Harris back. Kyle Juszczyk. I, I want Kyle back, obviously. You cannot pay $5 million a year moving forward for a fullback with the cap going to be what it's going to be. You just can't do it. So he's got to take a little bit less, or you've got to backload that deal. I don't know what it is. Obviously, Kyle is so important to this offense. I want to keep him. But the money that we have in that running back position is just way too damn high. Robbie Gold, and we're going to spend some time talking about this one. we got to make a decision now. 
in his contract, Robbie Gold, we have to decide before the Seattle game, before week 17 this year, you got to decide now what you're going to do. Because here's your option. If you don't pick up his option, or let's say they do, let's go through the positive. If they choose to pick up his option before the Seattle game, which is the deadline, that guarantees $2.25 million for next year out of 4.5. So if you pick it up, he's getting 4.5 next year, $4.5 million, and you're guaranteeing half of that for 2021. Then if you pick him up, then at April, you have to say, we're keeping you, right? And if you do that, that guarantees 2.25 for 2022. This is a three-year decision. <laughs> you got to decide this year. It affects next year. Then it will affect the following year. Because as soon as you say yes, you are guaranteeing $2.25 million for a kicker. Now, you're paying a lot for a kicker, but gold's been pretty great. 89.6% of his field goals have been made since he has been with the 49ers. Go back to Chase McLaughlin. Chase McLaughlin has played for three separate teams this year and has missed all kicks. Now, I'm not saying it's Chase or Robbie Gold, but kicker, a Robbie Gold kicker makes the difference in two to three games a year. Now, we haven't been close enough uh, for a lot of those games this year, but I, I kind of hope we keep them. Now, let's say we don't, and we say, nope, we don't want it. Then we would save $3.75 million in 2021. So you're already on the hook for like what seven hundred and fifty thousand next year. If you cut them, you could save three point seven five million. But I hope they keep them. I really, really do. Now Ziggy Ansa, you kind of look at what he got this year. You would think that it would be something that would just kind of be you know replicated, whatever else. But I don't think Ansa should be the priority at that position. Ansa got one point four million this year. I don't mind those numbers. I would much rather that money go to. <laughs> I think we all agree, Kerry Hyder. Kerry Hyder only got $1.5 million. Very similar deal. Kerry Hyder's going to be getting $6, 7000000 million, maybe more next year, and he deserves it. He's going to make it to the damn Pro Bowl, or at least he should. Kerry Hyder has been great. I would much rather prefer to have Kerry Hyder, and I know people are like, oh, but we got to have that speed edge. Eh, Ansa ain't going to stay healthy. <laughs> you bring him back on a one-year, $1 million deal, sure. I would love that. I, I think that's a great idea. But just not a priority whatsoever. Kwan Williams, that's a priority. Um, I, I want him back big time. You go Jordan Reed, that's a priority. We got him on a one-year, one-year, one million dollar deal this year. You're gonna have to pay a little more. He'll probably make about two to three million next year. Jason Verrett, oh, he's gonna be a starting corner. If I can't find this bet anywhere. But I wish I could. Uh, the idea that Jason Verrett is a starting corner next year. Oh, gosh, I'd put so much money down on that. Anyway, little free agency talk. Um, not a whole bunch. Now, there is a game tonight. I'm excited about this game. Raiders versus the Chargers. I got a little bet of the week right after a quick word from our sponsor. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That can't end. 2020 has been awful. And let's be honest, we all deserve a win. And we all deserve to have a little fun. So head over to the one place that guarantees that. And that's my bookie. There's only one sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports and more. And here's the thing. Sign up today. Receive the ultimate stocking stuffer. A 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. 50% up to $1,000. That's incredible. <clears throat> that's a great place to start. But we all know... Christmas is about what's under the tree. And in my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. They got them going all year round. 
It's simple. Head over to mybookie.ag, enter in the promo code 49ers49ERS, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over there, and let's get going. Let's get some winning going. This winner, bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. Now, um, again, I put this bet out there earlier. It's a parlay bet, which means you need two of these. I'm taking the Raiders' money line. means Raiders just have to win straight up. There's no point spread or whatever else. And I'm taking the over at 51.5. So both teams combined score over uh, basically 52 points. I, we win. Um, so both those things have to happen. I bought one and a half points. So whenever you click on the over-under, it's going to say 53. I bought it down. Just looking at the numbers that have happened when these two teams play each other because they're division opponents. Um, that 52 number seems to be hit very, very often. Um, now, I bet five to win 13. So if you want to bet with us, I think we still got like an hour or about 45 minutes before kickoff. So if you want to head over there, uh, please join us. Use promo code 49ers. Joey has this question, and I think it's a good question. Why does our coaching staff, I'm not sure I can answer it, <laughs> why does our coaching staff seem oblivious to these repetitive issues that seem so obvious to us? Things like personnel adjustments, they don't do that. Empty sets, we do it way too much. Is this normal for other coaching staffs? The answer is 100% yes. Unfortunately, I've been a part of some of these coaching staffs. And again, the worst thing a coach can ever say, and I've been part of several different coaches that have said this, we're calling it right. You're just not doing what we're calling. Well, unfortunately, you have to adjust to what you have. Number four cannot run a Kyle Shanahan offense. I don't think he can run many offenses. I just don't see it. Maybe if you put him behind the best offensive line in the best running game, but you are correct. Um, and I'm, I'm on Kyle Shanahan's, like, I don't know if you want to call it stand list or whatever. I think he's a top five coach. Does he have limitations? You bet your rear end he does. He's only been a head coach for four years now. That's it. And yeah, there are some major issues and he continues to replicate those. His second half play calling. It's not good. First half play calling is great. Second half is so bad. Um, he's got to grow. There's no doubt about that. And this is a year to grow. Now, hopefully, we see a lot fewer empty sets with Nick Mullins on first and second down. If it's third and 18 or third and 10, I get it. I think that's a good time to do so. But taking away your run game, when that's your number one asset against a team who we've already talked about has given up the most yards ever <laughs> rushing. Um, you got to keep it on the field. You got to. Because if you're playing defense against the 49ers offense and number four is back there and they come out in an empty set, you got to say, oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Noe asks this, John, have you heard any info yet if the Niners are going to re-sign Kyle Juszczyk? We haven't really heard anything from anybody talking about who's going to be resigned and who's not outside of Trent Williams. They are trying to get a long-term deal done and not signing Richard Sherman. That seems like it's basically they've already had their communications because again, Richard Sherman's his own agent. So <laughs> there's no middleman. Uh, Richard Sherman's basically said it would take a miracle. He doesn't think it's going to happen. Um, so that's kind of where that is. Now, I wanted to talk about head coaches because Robert Sala keeps getting asked this question if he is going to leave and he is. Um, Thomas Dimitrov interviewed for the Lions today for their GM position. 
who was the offensive coordinator when Thomas Dimitrioff made the Super Bowl run with the Falcons? Guess what? It was Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's going to give him a glowing review. There's no doubt. And here is Kyle Shanahan basically giving the press a review of Robert Sala and kind of what he brings to the table. I mean, we've known each other for a long time. We obviously work together, and, and he's a good friend of mine. So that's stuff we're constantly talking about. I mean, when it comes up, um, there's once you talk about it, there's not much to keep talking about. You, you never know until you see what opportunity he gets and you see what his choices are. And I keep telling him he's not allowed to take anyone. And, um, sometimes I can ease up a little bit on that, but I usually set the bar very low, and then we'll see what happens after. Yeah, kind of tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, until we can't take anyone. Well, with the new CBA and the new rules, that's not up to Kyle anymore. In the past, you've been able to block people. Kyle has blocked everybody. <laughs> he doesn't let anybody go anywhere. Can't do that anymore. Um, Robert's going to be able to take people. There's no doubt about that. But sticking to the defensive side, who is going to be the Dune defensive coordinator whenever he leaves? Um, I think Chris Kuserik has done the best job coaching on defense. He's a D-line guy. Um, not, I mean, it's not unheard of. You've had defensive lineman head coach. Look at <laughs> Dib Tom Sula. I don't know if you want to put that in the plus category or not. He's still one of the best defensive line coaches in the NFL. He's incredible, amazing man, great human, just not head coaching or D DC material. It, but I could say this, D-line guys usually almost never call the defense. It can happen. My first couple years coaching, I coached on the defensive line, and it was awesome. I loved it. I didn't learn a lot of football. <laughs> it wasn't until I moved into the back seven linebackers and then eventually uh, secondary, you get coverages, you get all the bracket days because again, as a D line, everything goes forward. The linebackers make the defensive line, right? When you're talking about gap integrity and the secondary makes the linebackers and defensive line, right? It goes back to forward. So usually you have to have some type of understanding of coverages, not saying Chris Kucerich doesn't have that. I'm just saying typically, D linemen are not defensive coordinators. I love Chris Kuserik, and if he was the DC, I'd be super happy. But it's it's a huge jump. Linebacking coaches kind of fit because linebackers they have to work. You know the front seven. Whenever you're doing inside run drills, you do half of your practice with the linemen, and then also secondary linebackers got to work with them too. Whenever you're doing seven on seven and scale, they got to be back there too. So as a linebacker coach, you have your hand in everything. Um, secondary coaches don't usually know a lot about D-line, but not always. So that's why you have guys like Robert Sala, traditionally linebacker coaches or secondary coaches, they make the most sense. That brings up D'Amico Ryans. I love D'Amico Ryans as a player um, out of Alabama, I believe, but he was a hell of a player, a defensive rookie of the year when he came out. Um, the dude's all over the place. And I really do think that he is a guy that probably is going to be at the forefront of that DC category if we promote from within. Not saying we will. Robert Sala was asked about D'Amico, and here was his review. Because, again, we don't get to see much of him. So what is it about D'Amico Ryans that makes him special? Uh, Well-spoken. Uh, he's got a lot of respect from his players. Uh, he's incredibly intelligent. Um, he is a sponge for knowledge. He's even though he's played in this league, he's been a Pro Bowler, he's defensive rookie of the year. Uh, he still learns. I, he, I, I see him taking notes every day. Coach is talking, he's taking notes. I'm talking, he's taking notes. Uh, DB coach is talking, he's taking notes. And so he is an absolute sponge in that regard, and uh, um, which which tells you that he's he's not just going to take a system and go. He's going to evolve. And uh, 
and so because of that, I just I just think he's he's got a really good chance to continue to evolve and be a head coach one day. So I, I love that he said to be a head coach someday and not to be a DC one day. It just lets you know the ceiling there. Um, and again, I don't I hate making it about this, but perhaps this is uh, what the NFL wanted because again. When Robert Sala gets hired as a head coach, the 49ers get not one, but two third-round picks in consecutive years. One um, at the end of the third round uh, this year, and then one at the end of the third round in 2022. But if you promote D'Amico Ryans, who's a person of color, guess what? This is the whole idea. Developing talent that is capable of becoming head coach material because the Rooney rule, which was a good rule to get things started. Um, I'm not a Raiders guy. I should be called the Al Davis rule. Uh, if you go back and look at the history of it, he was he led the front of that, but whatever. Um, screw the Raiders, but <laughs> that one instance was really good. Um, anyway, um, but if you promote D'Amico Ryans, and from you know a 49er standpoint, front office, one, is he capable of the job? Hell yes, he is. Of anybody that's on our staff, he is. But the idea that he is a personal color, guess what? That is an additive incentive, which is what the NFL wanted, to develop head coach-worthy candidates that are people of color, or minorities, um, women, whatever else. That's what the NFL wants. That's what the fans want. That's what the players want. And so, again, I love it. Uh, I would be very, very happy if D'Amico Ryans was our DC. Now, there is a gamble, the high risk, high reward. Never been to DC before. Who knows? But I like the promoting from within. It builds better camaraderie, builds a better locker room. It builds a better work ethic because everybody's like, if I stay here, I get promoted. Because Kyle Shanahan, everybody wants a piece. You want to criticize what Kyle Shanahan has done as a coach. You have grounds. But that running game, different. Different. And everybody wants a piece of it. And so if you hire Robert Sala, get a piece of it because he's going to bring one of the offensive coaches with him. That's just what it is. Um, now, a real quick draft question I got emailed to me. This was from Samra. Um, he said, "Would you what What would your take be on drafting an edge rusher in round one? Now, I hear a lot of people cussing. Calm down. <laughs> this way, we could use the same formula that we had on defense last year that led us to the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts? Number one, if there's one of the top four quarterbacks there, again, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, um, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. If one of those four are there in the first round, I would take them. Not to cut Jimmy Garoppolo. Again, my stance, you'll hear this over and over again. I want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. I also want to add a quarterback. Not because I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad quarterback. I don't. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is an average, above average quarterback, but I don't think he could ever be a top you know, five elite guy that just wins Super Bowls on his own. I think every team in the NFL should constantly try to add to get to the point where you get a quarterback that can win games on their own. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo's health, he's missed way too many games. The best ability, availability. Now you could say, oh, well, what about the high ankle sprain he got hit in the back of the leg? You are correct. That MCL, though, 100% on Jimmy. Walk out of bounds, play the whole season. Um, you know, the three big injuries, that's an issue. Uh, I like Jimmy. I hope he's your quarterback for the next decade, and I think he's good enough to be. But if you get the opportunity, which I don't think the 49ers will be picking in the top half of the draft very often in the future, Whenever you get that opportunity, if it falls, you pounce on it. However, edge, not a bad place to go at all. Imagine getting a top-tier edge, which you'd say, why don't you just draft an edge in the second round? The bust rate on edge players in the second, third, fourth rounds is higher than the quarterback in those same rounds. 
first round edge players pan out. Very, maybe not Solomon Thomas. Ah, it hurts. It hurts to say it. <laughs> but first round elite edge players, that's huge. Um, if you can add one of them. Now, they don't usually fall. Uh, the draft network, you know, just jumping over using them because I haven't graded edge players yet. Um, I will. I will grade all of them. Um, they only have three players with a first round uh, grade at the edge position. Gregory Rizzo at Miami. Quiddy Pay at Michigan. I don't think there's any chance you could get either one of those two guys. I think they'll both kind of go top eight. Edge players get pushed up every single year. Uh, quarterbacks, offensive tackles, and then edge players. Those are the positions that get pushed up in the draft. Um, offensive tackles didn't last year because there were seven good ones. Uh, so there was just a lot there. Um, the third one is Joseph Osai out of Texas. I really, I've seen every single game this kid's ever played. I'm a Longhorn. Um, he's great. I'm not sure he's a great fit for us. 6'3", 245. He's much more of like a TJ Watt 3-4 outside rusher. He can line up and put his head in the ground. He's great at it. Just not what he's built for, not his strength. Um, so, question is, okay, why would we draft an edge? Let's just play devil's advocate and just play this out. The top four quarterbacks go. Or you're not sold on one of the quarterbacks and that's the one that falls to you. Maybe you don't like Trey Lance. Maybe you don't like Zach Wilson and his weird throwing motion. Whatever. Doesn't matter. But let's say that happens because Kyle Shanahan's not going to like all four of those quarterbacks. I can guarantee you that. You get an edge. John Lynch, his first pick in every single draft since he's been the 49ers GM, has been an offensive lineman or defensive lineman. Every one. Really, almost all of them have been defense. One of them has been offensive line. And we need an edge. D Ford is never going to play again, especially for the 49ers in that contract. You're going to have Nick Bosa back, which is huge. Who's the other edge? Maybe you sign Kerry Hyder and then you kick in Eric Armstead. He's got to play inside on pass rushing downs or he's not effective. Um, we, we know that. We knew that last year. But he's had to play out of position just because of all the injuries. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't hate it. it. We would be a better team for it. There's no doubt about it. Cornerback, that's obviously going to be a position of need. Interior offensive lineman, that's a huge position of need. Maybe the first round is a little too... Uh, a little too rich for my blood. You can get interior offensive linemen later in the draft. And Kyle Shanahan has already shown he doesn't use draft capital at all on interior offensive linemen. Anyway, that's all we got for you today. Again, remember, if you want to help out with this draft book that we put together every year, it's a lot of work. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can give you a shout out on the pod. I can give you all the information I got. But again, this is a passion project that I love and I care about, and I want to share it with you guys. Um, I upload it on Patreon um, every single year, which Patreon costs eight bucks. <laughs> I mean, this book, uh, my first year doing it, I think I sold it for $35. Then I backed it down to $20, and I was like, man, I just want to give it to people. Let's just put it on my Patreon. Um, so anyway, I said all those things. If you want to help, reach out through email, 49ersrushpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman. You guys are the absolutely best. I freaking love these people, man. Countdown crew, you guys are great. As always, stay strong, faithful.